Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Search for Truth. It's great to have you with us. This is your program of Bible teaching and hymn singing. We're getting close to the end of this series because next week is the final study of the series Christ in the Old Testament. I'll be reminded you after Brian's talk today how you can obtain the transcript book which goes with this series. It's very useful because it gives all the scripture references which Brian doesn't have time to give during his talk. And today we're looking into the special title of Jesus as the Son of Man. So here's Brian. Thanks, John. Well, we've been thinking about the probable Old Testament references to himself that Jesus might have explained to the two disciples mentioned in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Judging by the themes that were prominent in the teaching of the Lord and his apostles, we're making our selection of the topics our Lord may have expanded upon in what must have been the greatest Bible exposition ever given. In this survey of ours, it would seem impossible to overlook one term, and that's the wording, Son of Man. One famous Old Testament use of this term makes it very clear that it references Jesus as the Christ or the Messiah. But before we come to that, we should stand back and view the term Son of Man in its more general Bible use. The term Son of Man occurs in the blessing of Balaam, where it shows the difference between God and humanity. For Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he would lie, nor a son of man that he would change his mind. It's clear that here it's not a personal title, but it refers to humans, to men or women. The verse simply says that God is not like us. He's not a man. Men and women lie, but God doesn't. Son of man can also refer to human descendants. So when God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel, he calls him a son of man. As in chapter 2 verse 1, then he said to me, Ezekiel says, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. But let's come back now to the most important use of this phrase, son of man. It occurs, as we say, when it's used with reference to Jesus Christ. A key verse occurs in the book of Daniel when it refers to the second coming or the return of Jesus Christ in the future. It's Daniel chapter 7 from verse 13. I kept looking, Daniel says, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, honour and a kingdom, so that all the peoples, nations and populations of all languages might serve him. His dominion is of an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. In this verse, Son of Man refers to a person of human descent, for sure, but it does have very definite messianic overtones. It refers to the Messiah, who'd be born of a woman, born of a virgin. It's a title of the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, the one who will rule the nations with a rod of iron, and under whose feet all things will be subjected one day. In fact, that text from the book of Daniel has been regarded by some, probably correctly, as the most powerful reference to the coming Messiah. It portrays the coming king of the kingdom as being both human 
and yet more than human, as being also divine. For a start, the wording Son of Man, as we've thought, most definitely identifies the person here as being human. But did you notice that other phrase? He's coming with the clouds of heaven. That's an indicator of the fact that this one is also God. Even the pagans in history spoke of their gods riding upon the clouds. It's as if the Bible takes that imagery of the cloud rider and rehabilitates it, showing it properly belongs to the true God and his Son, Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's worth noting that the phrase, Son of Man, is found 88 times in the New Testament, with only four of these being outside of the Gospels. In the New Testament, the term has that more decided additional meaning. It still refers to a human, but it's also most emphatically a title for Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ultimate human. He's God in human flesh. Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man on a great many occasions. In fact, Jesus references himself as both Son of God and Son of Man, and when he did so, he was claiming to be fully God and at the same time fully human. Jesus is the ideal human, all that God had ever wanted man in his image to be. But additionally, as we've already hinted, there can be no doubt that at certain times, at least, Jesus had that most powerful of all messianic references in mind when he referred to himself as the Son of Man. And here we are referring back, of course, to that reference in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Let's look at a few of them as we find them in Matthew's Gospel. It's usually pointed out that Matthew tends to present Jesus as king. Although it's quite a long reading, I think it's well worth beginning with Matthew chapter 16, starting with a question Jesus asked his disciples. He said, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples strict orders that they were to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes, and to be killed and to be raised up on the third day. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every person according to his deeds. Truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That's Matthew 16, 15 to 28. Notice there how Jesus spoke about the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Surely that's an echo from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. 
But Matthew's record of the life of our Lord runs this that we've been reading straight on to the account of what happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Let's read now from Matthew chapter 17. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. When they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. You know, I don't think this transfiguration event can be what Jesus had in mind when he said some of his disciples wouldn't taste death until they saw the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. Why not? Well, because the transfiguration was only a week later. It's more reasonable to think that it could have been anticipating the day of Pentecost, described in Acts chapter 2. Although that was not yet the Son of Man coming gloriously into his earthly kingdom to reign over this earth, it did, however, give spiritual evidence that the kingdom was already here. It was already here in the growing messianic community comprised of local churches of God, whose coming into existence we read of throughout the book of Acts. More than that, I wonder if there could be a more appropriate timing than this time of our Lord's ascension for the fulfilment of the Daniel 7 prophecy about the Son of Man receiving the kingdom from the Ancient of Days upon his return to glory. He could then, having received the dominion, commission with all authority that his earthly followers should go to all nations and peoples to preach the kingdom and the coming extension of his recognised rule on earth. Of course, we're still waiting the time when he will visibly, with all his majesty, return in person to rule. And of this he spoke in Matthew 24. Listen out again for his references to himself as Son of Man. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Also from Matthew 25, 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then next chapter, Matthew 26, from verse 62. At his trial, the high priest said to him, I place you under oath by the living God to tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The wording of Daniel's prophecy comes readily to mind there when the Lord spoke of being seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven as the Son of Man. It was when the high priest heard that, 
and surely equally realised that Jesus was appropriating to himself the vision of Daniel the prophet, it was then that the high priest accused Jesus of blasphemy. However unwittingly it was done by human minds, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ actually became his coronation and all in ultimate fulfilment of Daniel's great Son of Man prophecy. As I mentioned earlier, it'll help your studies if you obtain the transcript book of all 13 talks in this series. It's available online. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media, or you can request a hard copy book by asking for the title Christ in the Old Testament. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, the Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon SN48DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So once again, many thanks for the pleasure of your company, and I'd love you to join us next time for the final talk in this series of Christ in the Old Testament, and it's called The Sign of Jonah, as found in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39. Until next time then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from Brian, David and me, John. So see you again soon and in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.